Welcome to the Anthem Church Podcast. Our desire is to transform lives through authentic experiences with God and with people. This message is brought to you from Anthem Church in Fairview, Oregon. We pray you are encouraged, inspired, and strengthened through the teaching and preaching of God's Word. everyone. Welcome to our fourth week of our Piece by Piece message series. We've got some great things lined up for you, and I hope that you have been enjoying the journey that we've been taking over the last month. Last week, we discussed the opposition piece and gave you some helpful tools when managing your energy and sanity when facing opposition. As we've been going through the book of Nehemiah, last week we saw that Nehemiah refused to come down to the level of his haters and naysayers because he recognized that he was doing a great work, repairing broken worlds piece by piece. And today we're going to explore the kind of commitment that it will take to make a difference in your world. Nehemiah was committed to making a difference. I like to call it kingdom-style thinking, having the boldness to step into commitments and to keep your word. Now, this is something that I think is going to be really powerful as we grasp it today. But let's look at the definition of commit, to pledge or bind, to be dedicated, to transfer something to. Now, honestly, all three of these definitions really encapsulate what kingdom-style thinking is about. It's to pledge or to bind, to be dedicated to something, and also to commit, as in to surrender, to transfer something to. Now, commitment today is kind of like a curse word. Just this last week, I was doing some bill pay stuff, and I noticed that my cable bill went up significantly. So I contact the company and after they make me verify my identity way too many times, they start to list off a handful of no commitment options. Isn't that a popular thing today? No commitment options. That's really what we've been taught and trained to look for and search for in life is how we can experience the benefits without commitment, the no commitment options. I know in 2020, after all of this COVID stuff, this is one of the pieces that we're gonna have to start working on putting back together because right now to set a lunch appointment For myself, for me to set up a lunch appointment, it is so hard to commit to things. I personally feel the difficulty in locking anything down in advance. But as I continue to study Nehemiah, I realize that the kingdom style thinking is going to require that we begin to make commitments again and keep them. Point number one that we're going to talk about today is the difference between try and do. This is one of the kingdom style adjustments that I want to present to you today to ponder and to consider is the difference between try and do. I think about this comical story where there's this couple standing at the altar and they're taking their vows and the minister turns over to the groom-to-be and says, do you... Do you take 
this individual to be your lawfully wedded wife, to have it to hold, to love it to cherish, and goes through the list. Till death do you part. And the individual had such trouble just saying, I do, and said every single word, thought, and possibility that could come up except for, I do. Imagine how that would feel if you're standing at the altar, vows are presented, and the person says, I will try. I'll try. You see, kingdom-style thinking learns to say, I will. I think about Psalms 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It is, uh, it is this resolute conviction. It is a decision. I will do that. I will be there. I will show up. I, I will do it. On the other side of the coin, kingdom style thinking also has the discipline to say, I cannot commit to that at this time. So I either will or I will not. Jesus summed it up in such an amazing way in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. He says, simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more comes from the evil one. We have to learn that anything beyond this has potential to create more harm than good. Now, this is an area that I am personally just working on right now to realize that maybe and kind of, and I hope to, I'll try, we'll see, has the potential to harm and damage relationships more than I will I cannot at this time. This is one of the this is one of the aspects of putting our lives back together piece by piece. 2020 people. Look at how Nehemiah managed this. In Nehemiah chapter 2 which we read in earlier weeks, he says, "I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success and we his servants will start rebuilding the wall." All of the pieces weren't in place and he was facing quite a bit of challenge as well. But he still made the commitment to say, we're going to start rebuilding this wall. We're going to move forward. We are going to start putting pieces back together, piece by piece. Even if we don't have the entire plan laid out, we are going to move forward because the pieces belong together. So my question for you today is what important area of your life needs to surrender the words, I'll try, and adopt the words, I will. So not only do we have to make the shift between try and do, but second, we need to understand the concept of a labor of love. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, in the King James, I love this wording. It says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. I'm actually going to jump over to the NIV version because I have not used the word ye in a really long time. So, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. That's the labor of love. To do what? Help his people and continue to help them. 
Nehemiah accomplished great things in the natural, but it was for spiritual reasons. Like this Hebrew passage, showing his love to God as he helped people and continued to help people. Do you think that he was sad only about a beautiful wall being ruined? Is that what he cried and prayed and fasted for months about that? Oh, it was so beautiful. I can't stand to see it so broken down. No. You see, when the work was done, you see the true essence of why Nehemiah undertook that project. Nehemiah restored the wall to restore the worship, the context in which people could love God and love one another well. And I'm not referring to music, but I'm referring to a way of life. He restored to them a spiritual aspect as they committed to completing a natural project. The law is read and the people begin to confess their sins and the covenant is sealed. It wasn't just a wall, people. It was a unifying act where young and old, rich and poor, came together on one accord and they gave to one another and they fought for one another. And after they came together in unity, there was a spiritual restoration that took place. I love Psalms 133 verse one. It says, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like oil on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard. And in the end of verse three, it says, for there the Lord bestows his blessing of life forevermore. There is something supernatural that happens when the people of God begin to come together in unity and God bestows a blessing there. Take a moment and examine your life and your pursuits in life. Are you pursuing people or things? Does your why go beyond the natural thing that you're trying to create or accomplish? Is there more to your vision than your own needs being met? What you will have what people will say about you, what abilities you will have. Because if it's not deeper than that, this might be a reason why you have not seen the results that you're wearing yourself out to accomplish. Maybe this is why you're tired. Myopic vision only benefits within arm's reach. Re-examine to see if there's a deeper anchor for your efforts and you will find that the favor and the help and the supernatural will accompany you in your destiny. With me, I used to chase after things. If I were to show you one of my old wish lists in life, I can't wait to get this keyboard, can't wait to get this microphone. I want this guitar, this guitar, and this guitar, and this guitar, and this guitar. I can't wait to upgrade to this new software program. These are the things that would be on my list. I even remember in my late teens writing out a prayer list and all that was listed on it was stuff. It was like a Christmas wish list rather than what I would consider to be a, pr a prayer list today. However, something shifted. Today, I'm not gonna say that it's all solved and it's all better, 
because I will tend to fall back into it, but I have the tools to begin to catch myself and recognize when the motive behind what I'm doing is, what do I have? What are people gonna say about it? And what kind of abilities or freedom will I have in doing this? But I'll tell you what, right now, my wish list, my prayer list, the things that I uh, think about and ask God for, it's you guys. I'm praying for those whom I have had an opportunity to spend time with and laugh with and do life alongside of. That's my list now. People versus things. You see, there came a time in my life where I had to begin to let go of one style of thinking. And I'm gonna call that, you'll have to forgive me, I'm gonna call that the world's way of thinking. It is living the American dream. It is acquiring as much as you can. And it it is based off of me and my needs and my goals, dreams, and aspirations. But as we talk about putting our lives back together and really embracing vision, I really want to give this last piece, and that is a perspective shift on what is that vision and and what is really worth chasing after and putting your life, spending your life on. I love Philippians chapter 3, as Paul begins to speak about the things that he used to hold on to and the things that used to bring him his confidence, uh, that he was circumcised on the eighth day and that he um, was of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and he was a Pharisee and more zealous than everyone. And and he, he was into things. He was committed to things. He felt like he was faultless. And then he says this statement, whatever was gained to me, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Perspective shift. More than that, I count all things as loss compared to the surpassing excellence of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. You see, Paul had a shift from things to people, from stuff to relationships. And this enriched his life to such a degree that everything that he had, and he had it good, he said, Uh, It's garbage compared to the surpassing greatness and excellence of knowing Christ. I really believe that this is God's supernatural plan for every one of our lives, that we would know him. We would know him. As we are putting worlds back together, the commitments that we need to carry with us through this fall and through the rest of this year are that we're going to do, not try. It's that we are going to focus on people, not things. And finally, that we will take on this mentality that says whatever it takes. 
I know this sounds a little crazy, but follow me. I was gripped so deeply by the words that Pastor Brad spoke last year when he was talking about prayer. And one of our mentalities towards prayer is that we're going to pray as long as it takes rather than we pray and and if it doesn't work, then we kind of give up and change our mind. No, we take on this aspect that we are committed to praying as long as it takes. And so a, a commitment that we need to step into as we heal broken worlds and put lives back together is that whatever it takes. Now, I know this might sound a little scary to some people or extreme to some people, But I want to challenge you in this area because many people often feel like whatever it takes means that they're going to have to jump off of a building or they're they're going to have to do something that is extreme, does not fit them, and that is destructive to their lifestyle. But I want to let you know that that is so often the enemy whispering, trying to talk you out of not doing extreme things, but just doing the simple proven things that create the most results. In our analogy, we're, we're talking about life being like a puzzle. We framed our world with prayer. We got our vision clear by turning all the pieces face up so that we could see how to group things. And then opposition is when you begin to find the pieces that don't belong in the puzzle, you remove them so that you can continue forward. This one is a little humorous to me. You know, when you start a puzzle piece and you check the box to see how many pieces are there in this puzzle. When we begin to check the box for puzzle pieces, we decide whether we're going to do that puzzle or not, whether we want to attempt it or not. As a matter of fact, we have in our minds a certain limit, a certain range that we're actually looking for. But unfortunately, life doesn't work that way. Life is like the puzzle box with no number on it. You don't know how many puzzle pieces there are. (laughs) There might be a lot, there might be a little, and many times people, when they get to the end of their life, they're wishing that there were, they had more time, that there were some more pieces that they could get together, piece together, that they could accomplish. And other people, when they're younger, they're like, oh, it's just too much work, it's too many pieces. Life becomes very difficult when we start practicing mental accounting Nearly every aspect of our life, we have an internal sense of how much time, energy, money we're willing to spend on something or how much time, energy or money or cost or or blood, sweat and tears that it should take. For me, this message hits pretty hard because I feel like I'm doing mental accounting and math 24 7. When I get to a stoplight, you can ask my wife or children when I'm riding in the car. When I get to a stoplight, I talk about this so much, I am often just puzzled and irate at the fact that 
This is costing more time than it should. This is inefficient. The amount of time that we're willing to wait at a light or the amount we're willing to pay to purchase the next car or home. We walk in with an idea of what we're planning on spending. The amount of effort that we should be expending on the job. And if it goes beyond that, we there's alarms that go off. This is more than I'm supposed to be doing. This is beyond what I'm supposed to be doing. However, your day-to-day life and the journey of your life does not work that way. But we still approach it that way. The amount of time it should take before someone recognizes you. How long are you willing to wait for a person to recover from addiction? What the amount of effort that it should take to become successful. I should be successful by now. With all that I've invested, how far you should go as a volunteer for something rather than an employee. We have this sense of what we should be giving in life and and what that limit is. My question for you today is how far are you willing to go for God's purpose to come to pass in your life? Second question, how long are you willing to stay to see God's purpose come to pass around you? What cost are you willing to pay to see God's purpose come to pass in and around you? If it takes 10 years to get the situation under control, are you committed? If you have to pray more than you have ever prayed, Can you commit to something like that? If you have to leave one way of life to embrace the call of God on your life filled with uncertainty and challenge, can you pay that cost? Nehemiah left the palace to work in the rubble and the ashes amongst opposition and amongst complaining. He was committed as long as it takes. This is why the book of Philippians encourages me so much, even while I'm studying and working through Nehemiah. Paul says in Philippians 3, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should embrace this point of view. And if you think differently about some issue, God will reveal this to you as well. Wow, that is needed right now. It it settled from the scripture. This is the perspective and the point of view that you should have to press toward the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling. 
You're chasing after the purposes and plans of God on your life, and you're forgetting and letting go of the things that you used to hold on to that are not producing you results. You are focusing your life on people rather than things. You are seeking ways through your calling that you might love God and serve others, and at the end result, people will begin to glorify God and they will come as they see your light shine before men. They will glorify your God in heaven. That's what this that's what this piece by piece is about. Could it be that all of the things that we've been facing and going through as a people has been to get us to embrace a new higher point of view? a godly perspective on how we are to live. How are you doing with this? I don't know about you, but I am straining at times, struggling forward to grab hold of this whatever it takes point of view in a godly way, not in a worldly way. In a worldly way, this will be destructive. It's it's not the world's way of doing things, but a kingdom style, a kingdom perspective that we begin to do rather than try. We begin to get really responsible with the things that we commit to and really responsible with the things that we choose not to commit to. We also begin to value people over things. We don't chase things any longer. We chase after the hearts and lives of individuals. We chase after quality relationships rather than the acquisition of things. We don't spend our lives on that anymore. And embracing this whatever it takes lifestyle in a godly construct, this has been a challenge. And this is something that I am so grateful to be living in while speaking about. And the one advice that I have is that you have to do it one piece at a time. You have to begin to put things back together piece by piece, or else you may become overwhelmed. You might become um, focused on too many things at once, one piece at a time. Would you stop and picture with me one aspect of this broken world that you feel that God has called you to commit to? What is one kingdom style commitment that you will have to make in order to step into your destiny? For impact that does not last, it just shows up, blows up, and blows out. It doesn't take any of this that we're talking about. It doesn't take very much at all to show up and to show out and to just really hit the scene with a blaze, a one hit wonder. It doesn't take a lot to accomplish that. But for lasting impact, we're going to have to do a couple of things. Commit to pray, work, and stay as long as it takes. For your purpose and your destiny to come to pass, you have to be looking at it as if you're going to be working at this for the rest of your life. Now, I personally believe that 
through all of this, God's plan is that we grow to know him. And that's a lifelong journey. And so if you feel like you're done with that, oh, I know him, I know him, I know him. Maybe there's more. There might be more. Maybe. Probably. There is. For lasting impact, you're going to have to dream bigger than just yourself. Your purpose and your destiny from God probably won't be self-centered, self-gratifying, self-centered. You're going to have to dream bigger than yourself. Ask God. If your picture right now is like me, myself, I, it's it's me and God, I, I challenge you to really press in to pray and ask God. I don't know what your purpose and destiny is, but ask God, is it bigger than just myself? Is it bigger than me? For lasting impact, we're going to have to practice communicating vision regularly. As you go into the rest of this year, you're going to need to practice communicating the vision for your home. What is the vision that God has for your marriage? What is the vision God has for your family, for your children, your neighborhood, your job? You're going to have to practice communicating that regularly because we have been in mega social distance and and communication has been less than it may have been in the past. And as we begin to put worlds back together, you're going to have to practice communicating vision regularly. Again and again, vision leaks, so you're going to have to continue to fill that in those who are around you to, to, to keep them invested and, and keep them understanding what it is that God is doing in the place where you are God's ambassador, his agent for lasting impact. You're going to have to anchor your destiny to something deeper than self. I encourage you to explore, is God in the vision that you've been chasing and pouring out your heart and your life for? You've been spending days and hours, moments, years of your life. Is God in it? So as you examine things, has your energy and efforts been spent on survival, acquisition of things that will improve your positioning in the American dream? Have you been preoccupied with what you have or don't have, with what people think of you, or that they're not thinking of you, that you're not getting the subscriptions and you're not getting the likes and thumbs ups that you're looking for. Have you been focused on your abilities or your lack of abilities? It is time to let go of those former things and to press. It might be a strain to break out of old habits, but to press forward toward the high calling in Christ Jesus, your calling upward in Christ Jesus. We have one last tool for you that we want to share, and it is a re-envisioning tool. And it is something that you can go to our website and download, and you can work through that and pray through that over this week, and just ask God to help you to see again, fresh and anew, 
the purpose and the plan that he has for your life. And there are some questions and some scriptures on there to help guide you in that process as you as you redesign this picture with deeper, more true, more lasting and more potent commitments. I want to pray for you today because God is searching the earth for those whom he may show himself strong through. Do you have faith to recapture a vision for this approaching year? Your family, for your marriage, your kids, why you're on the job that you're at, why you're in the neighborhood that you're in, why you're in the family that you're in? Can you dream again with me on how the end result will glorify God and will bless people with unity, dignity, and the security as they come to know Jesus Christ and worship him in spirit and in truth? Can you see that? I'm going to read this prayer and encourage you to say it with me. Heavenly Father, today I look to you as my anchor and my hope. Refresh my vision so that each aspect of my life is grounded in you, empowered by your spirit. I commit to your call on my life. I commit to the work. I commit to pray and remain connected in this journey. Lead me and use me to heal broken worlds piece by piece. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you are here today and you can honestly say that everything that you have been chasing has been anchored in something else other than God. It's been anchored in something else other than Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want to invite you today to make that shift, that exchange, that adjustment so that you can start to see a life that is more fruitful. I think that a commitment to Christ is one of the most valuable things that you can do. And as you grow into understanding it, and as you grow into valuing and cherishing the relationship with God and how that impacts your ability to love other people and really bring other people up in life, it's the most valuable thing that I've ever done. I'll pray this prayer and you can repeat it with me if you feel this is the moment for you. Heavenly Father, I believe in Jesus and I invite him into my life. Come into my heart, come into my mind, make me new. I repent of all my missed attempts to create life. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I want my life to count and to have a positive impact. I surrender my world to you from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you pray this prayer, contact us because we want to be a part of the journey of putting those puzzle pieces back together. And we believe that community and connection is the best way to remain effective and moving forward and upward in life. May God bless you and keep you and protect you fighting for your peace, freedom, 
safety and sanity in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We are located at 1415 Northeast 223rd Avenue in Fairview, Oregon. You can find us online at www.anthemfamily.org and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at My Anthem Family. God bless.